A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Got a returning guest today, all the way from sunny Australia, Lisa Jane. Lisa, very warm welcome to you. Thanks, Paul. And I'd love to say that it was sunny here today, but unfortunately, it's not. Very strange weather we're having for the end of November. Mm, yeah, must be a bug that's going around the world, uh, Lisa, because um, here in Spain, which is, uh, you know, stereotypically the Mediterranean consistent climate, at the moment, for some reason, isn't. So uh, I hear what mm. you're saying there. Mm, very uh, unusual. But uh, listeners, we're in unusual times, I think, and uh, this, you know, this is why I feel it's 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 crucial to have conversations like this. You know, conversations that, uh, like Lisa and I, for example, are going to be sharing. So, um, Lisa, I thought today to be useful to focus in on your book. Um, you know, we did a previous a previous episode, and you know, the part of that opening uh, um, dialogue in your book is around this the one thing, isn't it? So we thought we'd yeah. check, you know, choose on the one thing today about being human. Two simple words. That reverse of the phrase "human being." Being human. Just give us an intro onto that, Lisa, if you will. Well, it took me a long while to realise that part of being human was having a feeling experience. In fact, it's really all about my feeling experience because I'm a human being. And I did my feelings for so long in my head. Like I figured them out in my head. I analysed them in my head. I... I just did everything in my head. I didn't really feel the experience of having feelings and in really engaging in my life in a feeling way. And so what I think is really interesting is that we're not really given the tools to be able to do that with ease. We're not given any education on how to stay in our feeling experience. And, in fact, the education that we are given is to jump out of the feeling experience and into our head and try and figure it out or Google a solution, you know. So I think for me being human was just this a really good place to start the book because we, we have so many things encouraging us all the time to be less than human, actually, um, our the, the relationship dynamics that we have often encourage us to try and figure it out rather than be in the feeling process. I know as a mum, it's like I have to be able to fix things. I have to be able to make things right for people. And, you know, like while I probably don't do that so much anymore, I know that was something I was raised to do. If I was a mum, I was responsible for keeping people happy and for making things right and often totally denying my own feelings and totally leaving my own self behind in order to make everyone else happy. And all of that gives you a certain experience of life. But I don't think for me that was an optimal experience. It wasn't really until I started to be fully human that I started to have more of an optimal experience. Mm. 
what's landing with me there listening to you speak is around the uh, this energy that we have and the more masculine energy um, I certainly know from my own experience Lisa of within a very strong masculine energy a survival energy if you will um, where you know we just fix things we just get on with it we do it and certainly as a um, you know, I'm going to sort of be, use a bit of creative license here, listeners, and say, you know, as an alpha male, which is a label that I totally reject, uh, but one that's been leveled at me on more than one occasion over the years, that, you know, just get on with it, Paul. Don't show your feelings. Don't do this. Don't do that. The result is all that matters. So we're up against that kind of that mm. conditioning Lisa, you know, irrespective of what body we're in, what gender we hold, it's about that energy, isn't it, of that, well, you know, big boys don't cry, they just solve problems, but it's okay for girls to cry and show the feelings. How, how much do you feel that that plays into our, uh, yeah. you know? Well, I, I think what you're saying is right. It's, it's conditioned into all of us to try and fix and come to a solution. And definitely, you know, there are differences between men and women, um, and stereotypical training that we've all had. But I think underneath all of that, we all, you know, many people anyway, feel this, um, there's, it's very hard to let go and trust life's unfolding process. In order for me to stay in the feeling experience, I have to be open to what's happening and I have to be trusting that my feelings are going to lead me to the next place on this journey. I can't see down the road, but I know that right now, if I listen to my feeling, I will get some indication. I'll be able to read that data and know what I need to do next. And that may just be talking about how I feel and describing how I feel. So, and that, and I had to learn that. And, and even now when big things happen, it's like, oh, my gosh, I feel really powerless. So having this awareness of my feeling world, what I'm being in this experience right now, and being able to work with that within what's happening to me externally. And, and I do think that it, it is a practice, but it's also quite challenging for us because we have not been raised to do that. We've been raised to find a solution and fix it. And yet in our feeling world, there often isn't black and white. There might not be a solution. There might just be a process. And it's almost like you have to get into the process to come to the solution rather than seeing the solution first and avoiding the process. <laughs> mm. Or could it be that there's, um, there's that total just letting it go and just being and and letting that external challenge, I mean, that really does take some... Um, some effort, I think, initially effort, because actually to be effortless and just be in that state of, I'm just going to let this go. Because isn't it true, Lisa, and listeners, that we, you know, so much stuff, inverted commas, is created in our head about what's going on. You know, we're talking about that dirty four-letter F word again, aren't we? Here, We're talking about fear. Um, you know, and how experiences or how we perceive experiences, they're a million times worse than what they actually are. And so if we have got that awareness just to say, do you know what? 
whatever that looks like or you know or feels like at the moment because obviously there is that relationship between thoughts and feelings that very direct relationship and i want to come to that in a moment around beliefs as well but this whole thing around do you know what whatever chaos is going off out there or i perceive is going off around out there i'm going to maintain that power inwardly i'm going to take back that and I hasten to use this word control because it's about me i can't affect what's going off outside there but i can affect what's going off internally and the way i react to it any thoughts around that lisa mm, definitely I, I and i say that too like it's, it's about not necessarily taking back control but taking charge and just speaking from my experience I used to read a lot of books on like, you know, um, remain equanimous, you know, accept the flow, you know, can we just be? And I knew that I had to do that, but I couldn't do that in real life. Like when I was just trying to be a mum or running my business or it's it's all well and good to do these things when you're in a meditative state and your life's going okay. But when something happens, how do you actually manage to step back into that place that you just described, Paul? And and from my experience, what I discovered was it was understanding and working with my emotions that allowed me to do that rather than trying to go straight there, straight to that place of being. I noticed that the more I paid attention to my emotions and addressed them, the more I was able to just simply be in that place. And for me, there's a we do have a lot of talk now about how to get into that place and, you know, like keep your mindset right. And I found it's much less effort if I go through my emotional world to bring myself into harmony with all of me so that I can be right here right now than what it was to try and do it the other way, which is sort of make it happen or change my mindset or be really positive or, you know, whatever it was. And, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the thing that stops us all the time from being in that place is our emotions. You describe it as fear. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it and it doesn't matter what it is, if I, you know, if, if I don't have enough money, it's not the fact that I don't have enough money. It's the feeling of financial insecurity. If I'm jealous, it's not that necessarily that I'm jealous. It's because I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm feeling like I'm, you know, I'm second grade, like I'm not being loved. So it's the feeling state that stops us from doing what it is we want to do and being in a place that we want to be in. So doesn't it make sense to look at the feelings first? And if we deal with them, then we're naturally going to be in a more of a being state, a more um, equanimous state where we are more accepting and in that flow. Mm, interesting. I alluded to the beliefs. I was, I suppose, in many respects, referring to the, I think it was Gandhi's model of our beliefs control our thoughts, our thoughts um, control our feelings. So you've kind of got this and then it goes on to the words, habits, values, actions, and eventually outcome and all that kind of thing. Um, but the, the, you know, the essence of it is at the top of the hierarchy, um, and I'm obviously using structured masculine uh, model here, but is, is this, you know, it's all around beliefs. And it's interestingly, and, and for what it's worth, Lisa, I personally massively agree with you around, you know, the, the feelings. I think, you know, for me within that model, that feelings should be top of the pyramid because it's that oh, first absolutely. place 
to visit. Mm. You know, when you say to somebody around their beliefs, your beliefs control your thoughts and your thoughts control your feelings. It's, I don't know, maybe it's me being too overly subjective, but it's like, no, I'm, I, you know, for me, my first port of, port of call as a, as a human is my feelings. Um, well, let's, let's look at it this way. I think that's a really excellent example, actually. I don't can see why people, um, why that belief structure about, you know, beliefs, thoughts, feelings exists. However, the way I perceive my feelings is if I, for example, have a belief, say I have a belief that my daughter should be a certain way. My daughter should not dye her hair, right? That's my belief. And she turns up with dyed hair. I'm going to have an emotional reaction to that because she's clashed with my values. But the emotion of it for me will, and I might not be aware of this belief that I've got deep down in my subconscious that I've been programmed with about the sort of hair that a teenager should have. I might not even really be aware of that. It might be in my unconscious. But the way I know that I'm not in alignment with the greater part of me is my feelings will tell me. So if I have an experience like that and I have a reaction, it's like, whoa, my feeling is telling me that something is going on here. What is it? And when I investigate my feeling, I go, why can't I sit with that? Why is this bothering me so much? Why am I having this reaction? Oh, hang on a minute. You know, really, I'm not comfortable with her dyeing her hair. Oh, why am I not comfortable? Oh, that's really interesting. I'm holding on to this belief. And for me, my feelings are like the, the data that I get that show me where I hold beliefs that I may not even be aware of consciously. Mm. So when I start with my feelings, it's like they're the, I don't know if I described this the other day, but, you know, computers, when computers talk to each other, they have internet protocols so that my computer can talk to your computer and we can exchange data. Mm. I believe that our feelings are like that. My feelings come from my inner being, my, my highest self, the highest expression of me possible. And then they will give me information. And then my, my, my brain has to interpret that data. And if I look at my feelings like that, rather than something to suppress or deny or not like, I find amazing things. I can have a feeling of being, you know, um, just not comfortable. And if I'm walking along feeling this discomfort, I'm like, what is this about? And when I inquire, I might actually find this is because I've made a business decision with somebody that is not in alignment with me. Now, I never would have found that out. I never would have questioned that enough to discover that maybe I need to make a different choice unless I had paid attention to that feeling. Mm. So... I know, and I also know, like, I can hear people going, yeah, but you can't trust your feelings, right? You can't trust your feelings. <laughs> and when my feelings go into my head and, I'm, I, and I, it's all muddled up with um, the, the story, the blame, the persecution, those feelings can be quite corrupted in a way, if that makes sense. So... I need to do enough emotional work on myself not to be in that state of separation, if you like. Like I need to be able to feel my pure feelings and work with them, but not to be necessarily, you know, like the whole idea of having a feeling and then acting out on it. Like if I feel like I want to hit someone and then I'm acting out on it, it's not like that. The feelings, the more you understand them and look at them 
and use them, the more pure things become, the more of a trustworthy ally they become because they're coming from your deepest self. They're not actually coming from the the mind and the story that you're pinning onto whatever's happening to you. Perfect. Did that get confusing there or did that make sense? No, not at all. (laughs) No, it makes perfect sense. It does to me anyway. Um, Warm milk is hard to swallow. (laughs) Chapter one of of your book. The emotionally powerful mother, listeners. There's a title. Four words, four standalone words, put them together. The emotionally powerful mother. It is a very, very powerful title, isn't it, Lisa? Because, you know, well, just without me kind of imparting my own sort of, yet again, subjective thoughts on that, you know, lead us into this. Lead us into this first chapter. Warm milk is hard to swallow. The rationale behind that. So it was a description of me as a child and my experiences of going to school. And I can vividly remember feeling at one with everything before I went to school. Like I had this just this beautiful world of, you know, no dramas. There was just me and and I was a part of everything. And then I remember going to school and all of a sudden I had to be something. I had to do certain things in order to be performing or to be accepted. And this separation started to creep in for me, this separation of you can't actually be who you were born to be. You can't stay in this flow. You can't stay in this state of everything's beautiful, life is great. And and not that I could even cognizize it back then, but I just had this memory of feeling very free. And I have this, and maybe it's a feeling memory of feeling free, and then this feeling memory of something going wrong, of me not being good enough, of me having to, um, you know, and people looking at me as if, I was different, like, and I had to do things to be able to fit in and to be able to do the right thing at school. And, and for me, that, that I think, and I know we have all sorts of reasons that we begin to move away from who we really are and we step further and further away as we sometimes find that the affection or the love that our parents give us is dependent on, upon being a certain way. And so we know not to show up in a certain frame or to suppress certain parts of ourselves so that we still stay loved and so that we feel like they still approve of us. And all of these things throughout our life create this separation in our being. And the reason that, and like we've talked about this, I think, as being the one thing, this separation from the power of who we are, that power for me You know, I use five keys in the book to help mums step back into that power of who they truly are. And when you're mothering from that place, you don't have any of these power dynamics that often happen with children where you're trying to control them or sometimes they may have the power and you feel powerless. You don't have the doubt or the what am I going to do because you've come into your centre, you're feeling self-assured, you have this and, I, and it is, it's an emotional power because I'm using my emotional world at the moment to really bring all of me here into this moment and I'm using my emotional world to interpret what's happening and to connect deeply in cohesion with my daughter so that we're hearing each other and we're working through what's happening as a process. So for me that 
that first, you know, like drinking warm milk, which is like probably the other most vivid experience of me in kindergarten was being sat down on the, the school's back seats, you know, in the cold tin seat, and they'd give us these little bottles of milk and they, would, they were always warm. And I don't think, like I really don't think I liked milk that much at the time anyway, but being forced to drink this warm milk and, you know, now that doesn't happen, so that's probably showing my age. But back then it was like this is what we had to give kids because it was nutritious and we started every day with this little bottle of warm milk and it was just horrible for me. So I thought it was an appropriate title for the chapter. Mm. And within that first chapter, here's something, listeners, listen to this as a statement. Love isn't always unconditional. I love that. Because you know what that captured for me, Lisa, was that from that childlike innocence, that, that whole, you know, looking at the world through big starry eyes and it's a beautiful place. And then, as you know, as we progress down our path, you know, our views, our thoughts, our perceptions change. And this whole kind of idyllic, innocent way of looking at the world through that lens changes, doesn't it? And it and it can. And certainly maybe yet again, listeners, I'm being a bit oversubjective here. But at the age of eight, my world became very bitter, very harsh. So I kind of it conjured up for me, Lisa, just reading those few words, this whole potential contrast from that early childhood innocence of, yes, the world is absolutely beautiful to wow, what a dark, horrible place it is. Mm. I, I hasten to add, they were my own ex stark experiences. Mm. And that's, you know, that's very, and, you know, I was reading about some of your experiences the other day and that for a child to feel that love is not just given, for a child to feel like love is dependent upon certain conditions and to not even know what those conditions might be, you know, to have that love taken away and to and, and like without the cogn the cognitive ability to even be able to determine what that they might need to do to keep that adult appeased that's an incredibly fragile position for a child to be in yeah my life was an allegiance to others is that um is that a different way an alternative way Lisa, of coining the old phrase, people-pleasing? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I for me, self-allegiance has been just this incredible power that I've gifted to myself. And it's something that I was just did a class on it last night, actually, talking to mums of teenage girls. And this whole capacity that we have as mums to teach our daughters self-allegiance, because often in the world of tech and social media, they don't they don't care for themselves. They put themselves in very precarious, vulnerable positions like sexually and all sorts of ways in order to appease society or get attention. And so they're not really being their own best friend. They're not really showing this allegiance, allegiance to self. And we are taught this. This is part of our conditioning is to walk away from ourselves to keep other people happy. You know, and, and to, to meet rules and to do the right thing and to conform. And so we're always walking away from ourselves. And, you know, really our self is the only thing that's going to be here all of our life. 
Yeah. So I sort of feel it's a better place to start making friends. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the simplicity of it. Mm. When I commit to being true to myself and my feelings, the process allows me to do the best or to do the best that I can be each moment. That's kind of one of your summary statements, isn't it, Lisa, from mm, chapter one? Definitely, yeah. And that really sums up what you've been talking about, this feelings. Feelings is at the heart of everything, isn't it, that you that you convey? Well, I, I've discovered that, for me, my feelings are the truth of who I am. Mm. The purity of the emotion that flows through me that is who I am. That is me expressing me in my life. If I'm not comfortable with that, if I can't allow me to express as me in this life, then I'm going to be living a less than optimal life. So for me, it's, it, that is, that really does encompass everything. It's this, our capacity to be in this movement of feeling experience as we go through life because I've discovered that the more I can do that, the more solutions unfold for me. So rather than me jumping into my head and trying to figure it out and creating conflict or persecution or blame and trying to find the solution I need, I'm actually in this energy that leads me to the solution or creates the solution I'm looking for. And this never ceases to surprise me. If I can stay in that space with my daughter when things happen that I just go, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do about this. But if I can stay in that space of, hey, we're having a feeling experience here together, we're in this emotional journey together, and the more I can allow that to happen, it's like these words come and these actions come or these solutions appear or she'll make a comment and that will just keep this process going and we we seem to come to these places where there's a solution without conflict or heartache or, you know, there's, there's guidelines for her. She's not, you know, there are, there are things that she needs to do, but this way of dealing with life, um, I just, it just seems to work so much better. So yes, for me, that is something that I've learned is if I can stay in my feeling process in my feeling flow and be with that and allow it, you know, I, I actually had a marriage or not a marriage, a long-term relationship breakup about two years ago. And while I knew a lot about emotions, I had never had the experience of like pretty much being evicted from a relationship. And it was a, was a big thing. It wasn't just the relationship. There was someone else involved. It was like quite massive. And for three days, I remember feeling like I just wanted to end it all because I couldn't see any future. I was just like all my dreams were caught up with this person and it it was a horrible, horrible, horrific place to be. And I know that many listeners would have felt that experience themselves. And for me, I, I do think that it was great for me, even though I'd worked with people's emotions before, I'd never had an experience this intense and this deep and this like I just couldn't see any purpose to live. It was just horrible. But I knew enough to know that if I could stop my thoughts from adding to the feeling state, because that just increased my suffering. I watched it, actually. I was watching my emotion move through my body in waves. And every, for three days, I kept watching 
and allowing what was happening. And, of course, you can't do anything in that state. You can't meditate. You can't do anything. You just have to, like, be with it. And it's a horrible feeling. And I remember just watching it and not knowing what to do, totally bereft. And I knew, though, as I watched, I if I had a thought of how could they do that to me, you know, this blah, 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 I could see how that intensified the feeling I was having. It was almost like my thoughts increased my suffering. So I would attempt to do something with that, like write it out or um, write, I wrote lots of letters, but then I'd come back to just feeling this emotion. And on the fourth day, this absolute miracle happened where I went from this intense emotion of like really wanting to end my life to I moved into this acceptance and then sitting in the acceptance of I don't agree with this, I don't condone it, but I accept that this has happened to me. And then all of a sudden I moved into this other state of being, which was like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, like, I truly believe that, that I'm not special being able to do that in four days, that this period of three days of intense emotion, if we can really be with ourselves for this time when things happen to us, that we can move through really intense experiences. And, I mean, I guess for me that that whole event was like what a gift to have been given because it really showed me so much about emotions and feelings and how we work with them or we don't work with them and the long-term results when I'm allowing my feeling, I'm able to take my power back. When I'm not allowing my feeling, I keep giving away my power. And you could have a relationship breakup 20 years ago. And if you haven't allowed the feeling from that experience, you still feel powerless or resentful, or there's some part of you, the power has not come back into your body because of that lack of emotional allowing. Mm. Wow. That's certainly worth certainly worth thinking about and letting that sink in, listeners. Uh, yet again, I can relate to that so so strongly, so strongly. Very briefly, just give us a a snapshot of of, of the chapter two. Really, the source of all my problems, Lisa. That's a big statement, isn't it? The source of all my <laughs> that takes the mind all over the place, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, it's just what we've been talking about, and it really is very simple. Yeah. The source of all my problems is the separation from my true self. When I'm not standing in me and not being true to me, then I'm going to feel discomfort, which I'm going to project out. I'm going to feel a gap. I'm going to feel like I'm not good enough, and that will manifest in my life as things not being good enough, as, you know, feeling insecure, as needing more love. But if I can come back and understand who I am emotionally and like all of me and, and step into my true self and bring myself back into merge, merge all of me back together and, and reclaim all of those emotional parts of me that I've disowned, all those aspects of myself, bringing them all back here so all of me is here in this moment, then those unmet emotional needs that did exist that created pain for me, then 
they're no longer there. Events outside of me will cause me to react if I have a part of me that's being activated by it. I'm going to use the word activated. I know a lot of people use the word triggered, but I use activated because I think it's a much more positive word and it gives us hope that we are actually able to do something about this. If, I'm, if something happens to me and I'm activated, I know that's because it's actually rubbing an unmet emotional need. It's activating that and it's making it flare up. So if I can meet that unmet emotional need myself and come back into my wholeness, those events can happen, but they're not going to activate me anymore. And I'm feeling empowered enough that I can start to see what's really going on and maybe put myself in a different position. Maybe I don't put myself in a position to be hurt anymore. Or maybe I speak up, but I'm speaking up from a place where I'm actually in my centeredness and I am feeling empowered, not from a place of reacting or feeling powerless. I'm able to do the next action or have the next thought or speak the next word from a platform of feeling empowered. And that's going to give me a very, very different outcome. So for me, looking back to the source of all the problems is what's happening in me. And when I can heal that, when I can step back into my true self and practice doing that and being in this moment with me, all of me, then the outside things, those problems really become quite minimal. And when they do come up like a bump in the road, there, I know how to deal with that. We'll close out. Lisa, by doing the, you know, the, uh, the 30-second elevator share in a moment. But before doing so, share your contact details, if you will. Mm. The best place to find me is via my website. It's iamlisajane.com, I-A-M-L-I-S-A-J-A-Y-N-E.com. And those, as ever, listeners, those details will be in the uh, in the show notes, in the episode show notes. So the elevator, Lisa, the elevator, the 30-second scenario. Listeners, you know this one now. Lisa knows this one because we've done a previous episode. So here we are, Lisa. We're going, you know, the proverbial separate ways on the, on the next floor. And Lisa, what a fantastic conversation. So good to have met you. This, these two words, being human, human being, give me something to take away, please, that will give that some real, you know, is it chicken and egg? Am I playing on words? Human being, being human. But just give me something to cling to that really puts things in context for me. Pay attention to what's going on on the inside. And be open to listening to the information that your feelings are giving you. Just pay attention. And what's beautiful and profound about that, listeners, and I've said this so many times with other guests, is, you know, oftentimes, you know, I, I try and sort of frame it within the, the proverbial 30 seconds. But what I've found through experience is the most powerful answers as, as Lisa's just exemplified there, are usually delivered in a matter of seconds. Few words, very punchy, very direct. And yet again, as I say, Lisa's just, she's delivered that perfectly. And what a way to sign off, listeners. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Podcast.
podcast. <laughs> this episode, <laughs> this episode, <laughs> listeners. Um, and um, there will be another one following on from this. And until then, all that remains is to sign off the way we always do by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond? <laughs>